Hello, friends. I hope you are being blessed and ready for further blessing as we draw from words that are spirit and life and minister truth to our minds, holiness to our consciences, and wisdom for our wills. Today is November 27th, and we are putting ourselves afresh before God's Word again today on this episode of the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your host tour guide as we continue to read through all 66 books of the Bible in 365 days. My hope is that daily spiritual renewal through Bible reading will become part of your daily discipleship to help you stay focused, continue in God's Word, and gain a thoroughly biblical worldview. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We'll be reading from Daniel chapter 4 in the Old Testament today and starting Peter's second epistle in the New Testament and read further in the great Psalm 119 that celebrates the power of God's Word, and we will conclude today's excursion with a wisdom nugget or two from the book of Proverbs. So let's get started by going to the Old Testament book, the book of Daniel, chapter 4, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Nebuchadnezzar Praises God. Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar's Second Dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last Daniel came in before me he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw, and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw... And behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, 
amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Daniel interprets the second dream. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field." You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. As it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you, Break off your sins by practicing righteousness, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Nebuchadnezzar's Humiliation All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, 
until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Nebuchadnezzar Restored At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4 begins with a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, ascribing wonders to the Most High God and affirming that his kingdom will last forever, but he has yet to repent of his pride. Then Nebuchadnezzar has another puzzling dream. This time he sees an immense flourishing tree, visible to the whole earth. The tree provides food and shelter for all living creatures. An angel from heaven comes down and gives orders to chop down the tree, strip its foliage, scatter its fruit, and let the beasts and birds flee from it. The stump and root are to remain, but with a band of iron and brass around it, as it stands in the midst of the new grass of the field. This is followed by the intriguing command to let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts in the grass of the field. Let his mind be changed from that of a man to a beast for seven periods of time. The purpose of this judgment is so that all will know that the Most High is ruler over all mankind. It is with sadness and great concern that Daniel gives Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream, wishing that this predicted fate would come upon one of the king's enemies rather than upon the king himself. The immense tree, Daniel said, represents Nebuchadnezzar. The angel calling for the toppling of the tree is pronouncing a divine decree that Nebuchadnezzar would be cut down and afflicted, so as to have the mind of a beast and eat the grass of the field. Daniel calls for the king to repent of his pride and to humble himself before the Lord. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. Twelve months later, the vision is fulfilled. Nebuchadnezzar makes a grand boast. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven, saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, Sovereignty has been removed from you 
and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Daniel chapter 4, verses 30-32, through 32, New American Standard Version. Immediately, Nebuchadnezzar loses his right mind and finds himself acting like a madman roaming in the fields and eating grass while behaving like an ox. His body is drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like eagle feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of this period, Nebuchadnezzar lifts his eyes to heaven and returns to his right mind, only this time it is the mind of humility. The king declares the truth about the Most High God of the Hebrews. He claims that he is the one who has an everlasting dominion. He also affirms God's sovereignty over all. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he has done according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? Daniel chapter 4 verse 35. Nebuchadnezzar expresses his desire for a life change. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Daniel chapter 4, verse 37. What about us? Do we have a mind of humility? When we see Christ for who he is and recognize our own bankruptcy of any claim of righteousness of our own, then repentance leads to life when we call upon the only name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved. We must recognize that the mind of Christ is a mind of humility. We are called to take up our cross daily in identification with Him who is our new life. The Apostle Paul describes this new way of living as it applies to his own gospel preaching mission. It comes across well in the King James Version of Acts chapter 20 verses 18 through 21. And when they were come to him, he said to them, You know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you, and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Apostle Paul reminds us in Philippians of this Christ-like mindset when he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. May we recognize God's sovereignty over all, serve Him with joyful, humble hearts, and honor Him by giving Him the glory that is due to His name. Now let's go on to our New Testament reading from Second Peter chapter 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them 
you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so near-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, the Apostle Peter's second epistle. Peter's first letter emphasized the grace of God. His second epistle emphasizes the knowledge of God. The word know or knowledge is found thirteen times in this short epistle. Peter isn't writing about the accumulation of data, but a real personal ongoing knowledge of God. He is writing about the kind of knowledge Jesus prayed that we should receive. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John chapter 17, verse 3. It is the living knowledge that comes with a personal relationship. Peter wants the church to be established in the true knowledge of God. He warns them of counterfeit faith, which is opposed to the precious faith, or, as he puts it, the faith of the same kind as ours. Peter is going to warn the believers of the dangerous false teachers and their counterfeit works and doctrines, but before he does, he reminds them of the true. I am told that one way experts are trained to identify counterfeit money is for them to study and handle the real thing. When they know the real and the true, they can readily spot the false. Peter knew the true, and he wanted to be sure that the believers he was writing to did also. 
We have already been given all that we need in Christ, but Peter is asking us to cultivate what we already have with daily spiritual exercise. We can practice the virtues of Christ's indwelling life in our day-to-day living. In other words, we are to give careful attention and intentional effort to developing these characteristics of Christ. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. What about you? Are you affirming and practicing moral excellence? Are you a person of integrity? Are you growing in your knowledge of the Lord and His virtues? We easily become occupied with our immediate needs, our own selfish preoccupations, conscious only of the here and now, the material and the temporal. Peter says that this kind of nearsightedness leads to unfruitfulness. However, careful attention to living in the light of the gospel will be rewarded at the Lord's coming. At the time of writing this, Peter knows that he's going to die soon. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. He wants to be sure that these believers remember what he taught them after he is gone. In chapter 1, verse 15. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Peter reminds his readers that he had a personal experience of seeing the Lord Jesus in his transfigured glory on the mount, when God the Father affirmed that Jesus was his beloved Son. He assures them that the testimony of God himself concerning Jesus proves that the words of the prophetic scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit and not the imaginations or determinations of men. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, where we are in Psalm 119, and we will read from verse 97 through verse 112. Psalm 119, verse 97, and the seven verses that follow all begin with the Hebrew letter Mem. Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The next eight verses all begin with the Hebrew letter Nun. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, 
but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever, to the end. How wonderful it is to be taught by the Lord! Verse 97 begins this series of eight verses, all beginning with the Hebrew letter Mem. We dare not bring the testimony of the psalmist down to the level of our experience. Instead, we should aspire to have our experience rise to the level of the psalmist. Notice the consistency of his life of meditation. Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. Verse 97. This is our goal. We want to hide the word in our heart and have it fuel our meditation throughout the day. Do you know how to confound the devil? Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. Verse 98. Do you possess God's promises, commands, and precepts as your very own? We have in the Word of God a wisdom that exceeds that of our contemporary culture. Do you believe this? I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Verse 99. It is not just what we know of God's Word that will prove our possession of a wisdom greater than the aged. It is how we put it into practice. Jesus expects us to observe His prescribed way of living. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. Verse 100. Can we say that we have been taught by the Lord? Verse 102 reads, I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. Do you delight in the supernatural sweetness of God's word? It is sweeter than honey, in verse 103. Not only does God's word cause us to delight in what is true, it causes us to hate every false way, in verse 104. Verses 105 through 112 all begin with the Hebrew letter Nun. These verses describe the kind of revival that the Lord brings to our soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, in verse 105. The psalmist reminds us of our full responsibilities as human beings and the precious provision of God's word. In verse 109, My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. Revive us, O Lord, according to your word. In verse 107. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 28, verses 17 and 18. If one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. A person might try to trick their conscience as they pursue evil, but their foolery will be proved in the end. Let's go before the Lord in the light of His Word. Lord, we do recognize that you are sovereign over all. Forgive us of our careless boasting. All your works are true and your ways are just. So we humble ourselves in your presence and ask that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of your Son. We have the words of the prophets made more sure by your testimony that he is your unique, only begotten, beloved Son. We cling to Him as our Lord and Savior and ask that His virtues would become increasingly manifested in our lives as we give our attention to walking in the Spirit. We thank You for the ministry of Your Word. Revive us, O Lord, according to Your Word and cause us to put Your virtues on public display to the praise of Your glory. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that seems to be a theme in our Bible reading today, that we would give all glory and honor to our Sovereign Lord and increase in our knowledge of His glory as made known to us through His Son. If you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on the One Year Bible in each day's daily reading, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org, and you can also stay in contact with us if you have any questions or comments or testimonies. We'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. Also, we would like to invite you to encourage others to join us on our Bible reading journey. And it's never too late to start. Father, thank you so much for our Bible reading community and the encouragement that we receive from your word. We pray that each one of us would be walking in the spirit and giving glory to your name. God bless you all. Shalom.